I want, I want, I want, me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Welcome to Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 68 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'll answer some listener questions. So this week I thought I would answer some listener questions. I did this a number of episodes back and I think it made a pretty good show. So I thought I would do a repeat and I solicited some questions through my Facebook page and got several really good ones. So uh, we'll run through those here in just a second. First, I want to remind you that I have released a new ebook. And if you're interested in learning how to limit the power of the federal government through state action, you need to download my ebook. You can do it at the link I will provide in the show notes. It's called The Power of No, and it lays out the strategy for taking state and local action to limit and stop overreaching federal power. So please check that out. Okay, so let's dig into some listener questions. The first one is this. I'd like to hear a quick walkthrough of state hierarchy. So what this individual is getting at is how do the various levels of government in American system interact with each other? Which government has the most power, which has the least? And in our constitutional system, it's actually the exact opposite of what most Americans think and what we're taught. Most people think the federal government's on top, and then you've got your state governments, and and under that you've got people. You know, we're at the bottom of the of the totem pole. But in reality, it's the people who are the sovereign in the system. And when I say people, I mean the people of the states, the people organized into political societies we call states. So the people have the most power. They create state governments, which have the second most power. And then At the bottom, you have the federal government. The federal government is a creature of the states. The states created a federal government, delegated that government certain powers, and by delegating those powers, it is inherent in any delegation that the states can take the powers back. So the federal government is actually at the bottom of the power pyramid. And then you also have local and city governments, and those actually fall under state governments. They're what are known as political subdivisions. So in a government structure uh, framework, they don't really have a whole lot of power at all. They're subject to the state legislatures, although some states like Illinois give their local governments a great deal of leeway. So that's the walkthrough. People, top of the pyramid, then the states, then the federal government. Okay, next question. 
How do we become more effective in getting people to see that local and state governments are where we should focus our attention in order to change the federal government? In other words, how do we convince people that we need to take a bottom-up approach instead of focusing all of our political energy on you know, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? And I struggle with this question because Americans are obsessed with Washington, D.C. politics. And I really think the, the only thing that I can think of, the thing that I think is most effective is to constantly point out the failure of changing Washington, D.C. through Washington, D.C. And just point out that, you know, uh, they make these promises. You know, we get the Republicans and they're going to come in and they're going to give us limited government. And then, you know, a year later, we don't have any limited government. I think we just need to keep pointing this out continue working at the state level and point out the successes that we're having at the state level, like uh, the nullification of uh, the drug war through state and local legalization of marijuana and, and other issues. So I think it's just an educational thing. And, and fortunately, the federal government does a really good job of helping us out because uh, you know the, the D.C. politics constantly fails. So we just keep, to, keep pointing out those failures. Next question. Under the Constitution, as ratified, do you believe the president has the power not to enforce the law on the grounds that said law is unconstitutional and thus no law at all? And yes, short answer, yes, I do believe the president has the power to not enforce an unconstitutional law. In fact, I'd say it's his responsibility to do that. Um, Madison made the case that the judiciary is the last resort in relation to the other departments of the government, but not in relation to the rights of the parties to that compact under which the judiciary is derived. In other words, the, uh, the judiciary actually is supreme in relation to the president and the Congress, but not in relation to the states. But Jefferson went on to, to say that the Constitution on this hypothesis is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape into any form they please. And Jefferson's case, and I agree with him, is that if you're really going to have a separation of powers uh, within the departments of the federal government, then each department must be able to determine for itself what is and isn't constitutional and take action on that basis. In a letter to Spencer Rome, Jefferson wrote, My construction of the Constitution is that each department is truly independent of the others and has an equal right to decide for itself what is the meaning of the Constitution in the cases submitted to its action, and especially where it is to act ultimately and without appeal. And uh, he said a similar thing in a letter to Abigail Adams in 1804. He said, nothing in the Constitution has given the judges a right to decide for the executive more than to the executive to decide for them. Both magistrates are equally independent in the sphere of action assigned to them. So I agree with, uh, with Jefferson. If the uh, courts or the Congress are doing something that the president views as unconstitutional, he has a right and a duty to not take action on that, just as the court has a duty to strike it down and as the Congress has a duty to uh, put a check on unconstitutional presidential action. So we need independence in each department. Uh, the next question is a hard one, and I'm going to be honest. I, I don't have an answer to this question. And, and uh, you know, my mom once told me that it's it's one of the best things you can do is, is to say, I don't know. And, uh, and this is definitely an I don't know. The question is, what are your thoughts and ideas regarding the Dakota Access Pipeline protesters? What can the people do? And uh, first off, I have to be honest, I'm not real up to speed on the 
the various debates. I have to admit that I have a certain sympathy for anybody that is uh, protesting government action. And uh, so, you know, I have an an innate sympathy with the protesters, and uh, I definitely am a believer in nonviolent civil disobedience. Uh, One of my heroes is Rosa Parks, and uh, her refusal to give up her seat on the bus, in my view, was a match that lit a fire that ultimately consumed Jim Crow. So I think these types of protests are important. But again, I'm not up to speed on the Dakota Access Pipeline issue, so I really can't make a uh, you know a good legal or or a uh, a constitutional argument one way or the other. So one of those cases, it's best to say I don't know. And uh, along those lines, I got another question, and and I really need to address this issue on a separate podcast. And I promise I'm going to do that soon because a couple of people asked about it, and. That is, what is the federal government's role in immigration and border control uh, from a constitutional standpoint? That's a really in-depth issue and admittedly a, a constitutional area that I'm probably weakest on. Uh, I have some rudimentary ideas and some basic understanding, but I definitely need to do some more study uh, of source documents before I really expound on it in depth. So I promise at some point in the near future, I will do an entire episode on immigration and the Constitution. Don't forget to download my free ebook at the link I will provide on the show notes page. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. Make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that already. And feel free to send me any thoughts, ideas, or questions at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week.